The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host, Grace Goller. Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Goller. If you missed last week's show, please do tune in and have a listen to Regina Cates' interview with me talking about her book, Lead from the Heart. The interview was absolutely excellent and I highly recommend Regina's book, which you can find at her website, romancingthesoul.com. Now today we're going to take a little bit of a different turn on navigating the cancer maze and we're going to talk about the hidden side of causes of cancer. Now as we know, cancer has many causes and it's often a series of events that happen to coincide that create what we call the perfect storm. So sometimes this perfect storm is looming inside of us for years and we don't know it. And we'll talk a little bit about how many years that storm can be looming for um, later in the show. But a key line of questioning in my practice, which is predominantly cancer patients, but also other patients who've bounced from practitioner to practitioner in an effort to discover their malady, So the key line of questioning is for my patients, have you travelled overseas? Where and when did you travel overseas? And do you remember getting very ill during your travels at any particular time? And what relevance, of course, does this have to their condition today? Now, I'm not just talking about traveller's diarrhoea, which is now almost passe. In other words, if you travel to exotic countries, particularly the tropics, you're almost sure to have diarrhoea during your travels. People expect it. They even joke about it. Now, this type of diarrhoea can be challenging and serious enough, but actually it should never be ignored even when you return home. Most travellers don't follow up with a visit to the doctor or the pharmacy or even get themselves what we call a stool test, where actually you you look at the contents of what's passing out and you find that uh, there could be bacteria, there could be parasites, there could be larvae, um, there could be eggs. And uh, that gives you a very, very powerful view of how you can help in your own health promotion and illness prevention. So we'll take a look at what you can do in a practical and preventative sense with this later in the show. That uh, There's a group of travellers who I'd like to talk about today who become very ill while on an overseas trip. It's the kind of sickness that you don't forget easily. So when I ask my patients about this, I ask these questions, invariably they have a story to tell. For example, this week in my practice, I met a lovely young couple. The patient who developed cancer in her late 20s was perplexed as to why she had colon cancer at such an early age. And she'd been told by her doctors that it was just bad luck and the cause was likely unknown. There wasn't cancer in the family of this type. She uh, didn't have polyps or diverticulitis and hadn't had any previous kind of problems. 
So, yes, it may well have been bad luck. For as the consultation continued with this young couple, I asked the questions, and I learned later that they had honeymooned in an exotic geographic location in the Pacific. She became very ill and spent the entire honeymoon in bed at the hotel, vomiting, fever, chills, diarrhoea, and, in fact, uh, was fairly ill the second day after arriving And she said, look, I was careful with water, but she also didn't realise that she'd eaten quite a lot of ice, and particularly more ice as she became ill. Um, She had deep fatigue, which followed on, and seven months later, she had gross anaemia. Now, around the same time, 12 months after that, she's diagnosed with a tumour in her upper colon. Are these things connected? Likely so. And my final uh, question to such clients then, you know, if you think back to that time when you were so ill, could it have any correlation to the time when you began to feel unwell? Now, invariably, clients will say after a deep thought and with an aha expression, yes, after that experience, I never felt quite right again. I could just not bounce back. And often their partners are sitting there nodding their heads saying, yes, That was the time, you know, we didn't actually recognise it, but now that you mention it, it was a really significant time for us. Now, as a practitioner, I've seen this pattern for more than three decades, and little was written about it in the days before the internet. And yes, folks, it's hard to imagine that one was born long before the internet and we had to actually look things up in encyclopedias or um, go to libraries to access our information. But maybe coming from a veterinary perspective for me has made me more aware of the power of this unseen world, of the microbes, all those little bits and pieces that are wriggling around out there that we can't see and therefore we often ignore. So if the pattern of illness fits your situation if you're listening today, and in particular if you have had cancer or you have cancer currently in some part of your digestive tract, so that might be large colon, small bowel, pancreas, bile duct, liver, um, stomach, gastric area, the whole of that duodenum. Um, If you have that situation, that the source of your problem may well be worthwhile in checking out in terms of if there's a microbe of some kind, if there's a parasite that's affected you, a virus, a bacterium. Because by finding that source, it can actually make a significant contribution to, one, either staying healthy and promoting well-being if you're doing this from a prevention point of view. For instance, say you've just come back from a holiday overseas, you've had a few symptoms, it's not too serious, but you weren't quite well when you were there. That's a good time to be exploring and doing your preventative work. Or you can add this in as a very significant part of your recovery plan from cancer or other illnesses. Because remember, we've talked a lot on the show about inflammation as a cause of cancer. And these bugs that we're talking about, these little unseen people, that uh, little people, little uh, creatures that come and actually inhabit our bodies, um, they can really uh, make a very big impact on us. And it's useful if we know this, because I think we're then very empowered to do something about it. So it may be that this knowledge today could help you to put a significant deposit in your healing bank account. Now, personally, I have a tremendous respect for the world of microbes. There's such a variety of microscopic creatures can make us ill and even kill us in the right environment. So we've got bacteria, as I mentioned, viruses and parasites. They can cause illness and infect any, really, of the organs in the body. Today, I'm sort of more interested in looking at what might happen in our digestive tract. But they're living organisms. They exist in water. They exist in soil. So you can see already that when you're in a foreign country, that there um, is definitely an opportunity for those two aspects to carry contaminants. 
Um, so they live on the surfaces of the foods that we eat, on the surfaces that we touch, countertops, bathroom or kitchen. And I can remember um, a German doctor saying to me once, do you want to know the best place in the world to get a load of uh, things like parasites, viruses and bacteria? And I said, oh, where? And uh, she said, airports. So very careful in airports um, where you're touching things and I recommend that the use of, of hand wipes and just being very careful and you'll see some people even at airports wearing a mask um, and that can be uh, not as silly as it looks actually because there are a lot of airborne bacteria. Now if you've had cancer or if you're um, currently having treatment for cancer and you have uh, chemotherapy uh, recently, you can be very susceptible indeed to uh, picking up one of these um, infections or infestations. But it's not um, it's not all bad. Um, we don't need to become fearful or paranoid about this. This is just a knowledge base from which we can actually increase our health, promote health and well-being, and help to prevent. Uh, these various conditions that are caused by these microbes. So there's some simple hygiene practices that you can do to avoid these problematic um, encounters. And we're going to talk more about those as we go along. But uh, in naming just a few of the types of the more common, um, let's start with bacteria. They can be found um, in our bodies, around our bodies, or sometimes on the surface of the body. Now, E. coli, Salmonella, Giardia, Giardia lamblia is one that's um, probably more commonly known. Um, Cryptosporidium is another one. Great big long names, but these are bugs that can, in the uh, inappropriate numbers, really do us a mischief. And then there comes little creatures like amoeba. Um, they contaminate the water. You've probably heard of amoebic dysentery, amoebic diarrhea, in other words. There are flukes, different kinds of flukes. Liver flukes, for instance, particularly the Chinese liver fluke, is a known cause of cancer of the bile duct. Worldwide, this is a known cause. And as that uh, particular cancer has been steadily increasing over the years. There's little creatures called protozoa. There's bites from insects such as mosquitoes. Beetles, for instance, in South America, the Chagas beetle, which uh, is like a little kissing beetle, they call it, but it puts its eggs into the skin and can create a lot of problems for you. Ticks. Um, the bites from ticks can start an inflammatory process in the body and many, many of my patients over the years have been able to recognise that ticks have certainly been a problem for them in the cause of inflammatory illness and they believe as a part of the cancer as many of the treating doctors have done as well. Then we have viruses. Um, there's many, many varieties of viruses and including the rotavirus Snails often part, play a part in uh, creating the perfect storm too. There's many little creatures that act as hosts for parasites, uh, sometimes small rodents, um, rats, mice, squirrels, small creatures, rabbits, dogs, but even up to deer can act as hosts, an intermediate host for a parasite to develop and then be passed on to a human being. And remember, fish and the sea creatures are not to be excluded. They too have their share of parasites. So you might like to give, um, you know, sashimi a miss at some um, overseas places that you travel to because that can also be a source of um, eggs, larva, parasites. It's not all bad how together, I've got to say this, it's not all bad. Um, in the natural world, there are always microscopic buds. They're a part of the ecosystem. And the same goes for us. We've got an enormous amount of what we call friendlies who live on us and in us, even on our skin, and help us to maintain what we call homeostasis or balance. But the problem is when some of these bugs launch a takeover bid and multiply in our body. And this can particularly happen when we're on holiday in a strange environment, an environment that's unfamiliar to us and from which we have no previously developed immunity. So we're going to take our first break now on navigating the cancer maze and we're going to come back and explore the connection between these um, little bacteria and viruses and parasites and their connection 
definitely with cancer. Don't go away. We'll be back soon. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Holvung Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Goller Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegoller.com. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Gawler, and today we are talking about the microbe world and uh, how this can actually impact the health of cancer patients, the health of um, just uh, normal people on holidays, and also as a causative agent in the walkway to cancer. So uh, as you might know and remember, I am a naturopath and a herbalist and I've had a practice going for more than three decades and during that time in my practice I have seen a lot and uh, I've ordered a lot of tests for various patients and I have been able to correlate the sort of information that I'm telling you today with those patients. Now, perhaps the first person from the naturopathic world here who popularised the idea of these unwelcome parasites as health issues, and let's just talk really about the parasites at the moment, was the late Hulda Clark. She wrote several books uh, about parasites and cancer. She was on to something, I believe, but she took the idea too far in claims that the treating of parasites was the major contributor to the cure for all cancers. Um, she was no doubt experimenting quite a bit for herself. Apparently she had multiple myeloma, which she eventually succumbed to. Um, the book and her work had a lot of criticism, particularly from the medical profession. But this other side, again, all things in balance, um, this other side actually has a ring of truth. 
And um, as a herbalist also by training, I didn't ever use any of the prescribed purging herbal concoctions, by the way, for ridding oneself of parasites. And uh, that was something that Hilda Clark did promote. Um, I think for myself and my background that science-based medicine, the modern pharmaceuticals, where, wherever possible is the best way of removing these unwelcome guests. And remember, there might also be treatment that's required um, to improve health once those um, little parasites have been removed. For example, if you had uh, hookworm and you managed to pick that up on your travels, that the hookworm... Um, actually burrows in through the soles of feet and it can create anemia. So you may get rid of your hookworm but you may also be anemic and then need a treatment for that quite simply. Uh, So look, anyway, just because you have cancer in a parasite or a bacteria that may have contributed to it, it does not necessarily follow that because you kill the microbe that then suddenly the cure will come about. That's unlikely immediately. However, Having said that, where cancer is concerned, removing any source of chronic inflammation in the body will definitely put, as I said before, those deposits in your healing bank account. It may take a little while. So an example might be um, if I cut out trans fats from my diet. I cut them out today. I've had them for years. Um, If I cut them out today, is my cardiovascular health going to improve immediately? No, that's not going to happen. Although over a period of time, eliminating those trans fats from my diet will definitely contribute to my overall health. So killing excess numbers of bacteria or parasites using medical treatments will have an immediate impact on numbers of these microbes or parasites or whatever organism it might be. But uh, remember, recovery may be slow. There will be an impact on various target organs And there may be some follow-ups, like in the case of the hookworm, with helping the body to re-establish itself once that particular load is off. Now, the person in modern medical times, uh, from a science point of view, who's perhaps shed the most light on the effects of bacteria, viruses and parasites and the relationship to cancer is a recipient of the Nobel Prize for Medicine and his name is Professor Harald Zurhausen and he hails from Germany and has done a lot of research through Heidelberg University. Now you might remember his name because his success and fame is also based on his investigations of how cervical cancer was triggered by viral infection namely the HPV, and he did the preliminary research that later was followed up by Professor Ian Fraser, um, the uh, the Scottish researcher who made Australia his home. He's also been uh, uh, interviewed on Navigating the Cancer Maze, which was a terrific interview, and um, his book is also excellent, the book about his life story by Madonna King and... Um, It's the man who saved a million lives, and that's a fantastic uh, read. And uh, a good insight into what's involved in the the lives and work of some of the people who research this material for us. So as you're aware, or probably aware, um, the research that uh, Professor Housen did actually made it possible for the cervical cancer vaccine to be further researched and then to be developed. Now, Harold Zuhausen um, had another area of interest and his Nobel lecture speech was titled The Search for Infectious Causes of Human Cancers, Where and Why. Now, this lecture was presented the 7th of December in 2008 and it is available on the internet as a PDF download. If you can't find it, please email me at institute at grayscaller, that's G-A-W-L-E-R dot com, if you would like the link to that article. It's a fairly easy read for a Nobel um, paper, and there's a lot of very interesting information there which we're going to take a look at in this and the next segment of the show today. So it was written uh, more than six years ago, and since then there's a lot more information that has come along 
um, which actually justifies, authenticates the work of uh, Harold Sahausen in this area. So for such an eminent scientist to come forth with the findings that he did actually surprised many. And I want to read to you the opening paragraph from his Nobel Prize speech um, that, as I said, you can find on the public record on the internet. And it reads as follows. Slightly more than 20% of the global cancer burden can be currently linked to infectious agents including viruses, bacteria and parasites. This manuscript analyzes reasons for their relatively late discovery and highlights epidemiological observations that may point to the involvement of additional infectious agents in specific human cancers. Emphasis is placed on the blood-based malignancies, breast and colorectal cancers, but also of interest basal cell carcinomas of the skin, uh, we know now squamous cell carcinomas of the skin, and lung cancers in non-smokers are also of interest here. So I think that some uh, very, very interesting introductions, very enticing. Now, what he went on to say um, in his presentation was that currently, so we're looking back then from 2008 and before, a large number of infectious agents have been identified which either cause or contribute to specific human cancers. And he wrote a specific review on this in 2006. And some of the um, members of the virus and other families I will list for you now. They include two members of the herpes virus family, Epstein-Barr virus and human herpes virus type 8 high-risk and low-risk human papilloma. And I believe there's somewhere around about 78 different papilloma viruses. Um, the two that we see the most of is HPV-16 and HPV-18. And that has certainly been implicated in some colorectal cancers as well. Then we have the hepatitis B and C viruses. And a recently identified human polymervirus, Merkel cell polymervirus. Um, Merkel cell is often seen as a small skin cancer and um, it has not a very good outcome but we now know that there's one of these agents as a virus that is a part of that. Um, there's a retrovirus, the human immunodeficiency virus, HIV type 1 and 2 and in addition, human endogenous retroviruses. They've been suspected to play a role in human cancers for some time now. And besides the viruses, other pathogens have also been identified. Now they include, this is a really important one, this is the bacterium helicobacter pylori, which is a major contributor to gastric cancer. So this is one where you can actually get checked for this um, this bacteria to see if you have it. It's been associated also with stomach ulcers and therefore you see a link with inflammation and therefore also a link with the development of a gastric cancer. Then we have the parasitic infections. Some of you may have heard of schistosomes, um, uh, Belhousia is its other name, and that's been a major cause of bladder cancer in Egypt and that's been known for some time. Um, liver flukes, as we mentioned before. The um, two varieties of liver flukes can be rather nasty, um, known to cause the bile duct cancer, known as cholangiocarcinoma, and also the liver carcinomas, which are called hepatocellular carcinoma. And we see that commonly southeastern Thailand and in southern China. As well, Epstein-Barr virus has been linked to two human cancers so far. One is Burkitt's lymphoma, and the other is a cancer that's very, very common in Asian populations, and it's known as nasopharyngeal carcinoma. So it's the nasal and the pharynx up in the back of the throat. It's a carcinoma, and it's known that that virus actually can be implicated there. We also know that the HPV uh, virus, the same one that causes cervical cancer, has now been found to be implicated in um, head and neck cancers. 
And we've talked about that on the show before, and no doubt we'll have some experts in to talk about it at another time. Um, the other one of interest, of course, in recent times, and this isn't in um, Professor Zerhausen's uh, work, but in the work with people from Greece and Germany, where I've been doing some uh, active work and research, cytomegaloviruses, which include the herpes group of viruses, have been linked to brain tumour development. So glioblastomas, astrocytomas, um, when they've actually looked inside these brain tumours, they've found that they have very high levels. Now, whether they're a, um, an after-effect, an opportunist, it's, but it's thought actually that they're likely to be a part of the cause, a part of the walkway of these type of cancers. We've come to the end of our second part of the show today and uh, after the break we're going to come back and look more about the five major infections and the cancer incidence um, that surrounds those. So don't go away, we'll be back soon. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegoller.com. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hulvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Gawler, and hopefully today giving you some information, education about something that's a little more hidden in the world of cancer causes. And in particular, at the moment, we are looking at uh, the paper of Harold Zerhausen, his Nobel um, lecture that he presented, The Search for Infectious Causes of Human Cancers, Where and Why. Now, if you do happen to look up that PDF download on the internet, you'll find that there's a very nice little diagram there, and he's broken it up as a pie chart and uh, with various segments in it. And he lists here... That was in 2008. Um, the figures have been updated a bit since then, but I think you'll find it's very surprising. 25% of cancers of the oral cavity, um, 68,600 were HPV. Cancer of the cervix, 493,000 um, HPV-associated cancers. The liver cancer, hepatocellular carcinoma, 80%. So that was 500,000 um, odd. Gastric cancer, 80%, 747,000. 
And remember we said that's caused directly um, by the Helicobacter pylori. So do get yourself checked out if you have any kind of um, indigestion problems, um, dyspepsia, burning, um, a lot of burping, discomfort because this is one of the ones that can be treated and could be a huge preventative in um, terms of uh, developing cancer later on. Um, so gastric cancers too, uh, Epstein-Barr virus was involved in 10%, nasopharyngeal carcinoma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma was uh, 10%, so that was 30,000 um, in the figures that he looked at, and Hodgkin's lymphoma also involved with Epstein-Barr virus and um, in my own experience I've actually had this um, with some of my clients and uh, once they've been able to locate that virus it actually has been very very helpful or locate the bacteria it's made a huge contribution actually to their recovery so I suggest you check that out on page six of um, Professor Sahausen's lecture notes now, we know that this has been around for a while, that the role of infectious agents in human cancers dates back to the beginning of the 20th century. And there it was recognised that the schistosoma infections in Egypt, Belhazia, which is caused by parasitic worms, and the liver flukes in Eastern Europe and Asia, they were suspected, suspected to play a role in the development of bladder cancer and liver cancers and bile duct cancer. So what happened in the meantime and what are the reasons why it's been so difficult over all those years to get enough evidence to identify infectious agents as causative factors for human cancers? Well, several factors seem to provide uh, a reasonable explanation here. And uh, it's thanks to the research that's been going on uh, over the years that we can look back in history and now connect the dots and then verify that um, in the research laboratory. You know, no human cancer arises as the acute consequence of infection, or very rarely anyway. Um, the latency period between a primary infection and cancer development are frequently in the range of range of 15 to say 40 years. Now with um, my client who went on her vacation and within 18 months actually developed uh, a cancer, it's highly likely along with the anemia that she actually developed that uh, there's a hookworm infestation there and that that indeed may have caused damage to the lining of her colon, inflammation and the start of a whole lot of problems. So I'm going to be able to verify that and I will let you know when we get to the results back because it serves as a yet another very interesting test case um, from my case files. So there are some rare exceptions. Um, the Epstein-Barr virus uh, relating to um, lymphatic proliferative disease, uh, some of the lymphomas and leukemias are very distinctly related to um, an Epstein-Barr infection. And that one seems to be having a much more rapid turnaround, not the 15 to 40 years that we're expecting from some of these others. And I had a child who uh, went on holidays with her parents, went on a cruise. Um, it was another cruise through the South Pacific. And the child was about three weeks old. And she became very, very ill for the entire trip. It wasn't actually diagnosed what the problem was, but when they returned, they had a blood test done, and sure enough, the child had developed uh, glandular fever. And uh, as sick as that she was, she did recover. However, within the next year, she actually developed a form of uh, leukaemia. And uh, part of what the parents did in discovering that, yes, she had been exposed to this virus, was to look also not only at how they could treat the leukaemia with chemotherapy, but how they might prevent um, the leukaemia returning by actually treating the virus. And we'll talk about um, treating viruses uh, a little while later because it's quite a new area of uh, medicine. 
So apart from some rare exceptions, getting back to why this has taken us so long to learn about, there's no synthesis of the infectious agents actually occurring in the cancer cells, so that makes it really hard to detect. Um, Most of the infections linked to human cancers are common in human populations and were present during the whole entire human evolutionary process. And yet only a small proportion of infected individuals develop the respective cancer type. So again, you know, why? Why is this so? And this is what people are looking for at the moment to the answers to those questions. So you do get, according to Professor Zerhausen, mutations in the host cell genes or within the viral genome. And these must be present. They're mandatory for some kind of malignant conversion, in other words, to create a cancer. He also says that chemical, he gives an example of aflatoxins. Now, aflatoxin is a liver toxin. It's found in damp um, dampened areas where you grow nuts, uh, particularly cashews and peanuts, where they're they're grown under the soil. This one I actually know from veterinary medicine because many, many years ago there was a new feed base developed and it was actually based on peanuts and uh, it was given to a whole um, area of turkeys, you know, in one of those um, kind of uh, mass feedlot developments and all the turkeys died. And what they discovered was that aflatoxin poisoning was actually responsible. That's A-F-L-A-T-O-X-I-N. You can look that up on the internet. Um, So it's a toxin that's not known to be really a recommended safe level of. So most peanuts today are actually tested uh, for aflatoxins. It's probably one of the things, if you're in other countries and where there's no actual testing for aflatoxin levels, it's one of the things that might be best avoided is peanuts and, um, and cashew nuts because that is quite a, um, a serious problem. Also, um, ultraviolet light, of course, can act as a mutagen. And when you get those kind of things going, they act synergistically with any carcinogenic infectious agents that you might have. And that's what we talked about as being the perfect storm earlier on. We know that some infectious agents act as indirect carcinogens without persistence of their genes within the cancer cells. And some of those are the HIV, the Helicobacter pylori, Um, the schistosome and hepatitis C and B. So Professor Sahausen concluded that among all these factors, the ubiquity of most of these infections and the long time periods required for transformation into a malignancy, into a cancer, were actually the main reasons for the remarkable difficulties that researchers have faced in identifying carcinogenic functions and causes and effects. So uh, because of international travel habits, moving on from Professor Sirhausen, you don't always have to leave home to get an exotic health problem related to a microbe, virus, parasite, etc. Years ago, some friends of mine actually adopted a lovely little child. He was from uh, Guatemala. He'd been uh, left in a dustbin by his mum and uh, finished up in an orphanage. And uh, he found a wonderful home with my friends. But when he got to Australia, he had a failure to thrive kind of syndrome. He really had trouble putting on weight. And um, they tried just about everything. And eventually it was discovered that he had a tapeworm. And it was a tapeworm that he had had, incubated it in there. And uh, no one had picked it up. They'd even had some stool tests, but they were one-day tests. And in those tests, there were no eggs that had come away in the stool. Um, So they were able to treat him, and he thrived beautifully after uh, being treated with the correct pharmaceuticals for that tapeworm, and that the damage from the tapeworm in his gut had also been repaired. So you don't always uh, have to leave home. You can pick these things up in your environment. I think some of the things are important to learn about uh, for us, and particularly for us as mums and preparers of the of the food. Um, we've got to be careful about cooking and storing food properly. I think that's a really big one. 
and from our food vendors as well. You know, be careful of products that have been um, in a display case with no refrigeration, and particularly if they contain cheese, because listeria is something that can actually make you very ill. Uh, buy freshly made wherever possible, and that's not about paranoia. It's about choices, and it's about choosing to go to one place where you know there's a high turnover of food, rather than going to somewhere where you know food might have been sitting by for quite a long time. If you have digestive problems, please don't ignore them, and especially be checked for the Helicobacter pylori. Um, my sister many years ago developed a liver cancer and um, she had it for a very long time and without my knowing she'd sought naturopathic treatment and she had also sought um, a treatment for her depression which was herbal which actually made her condition worse and contributed likely to um, to her demise unfortunately by the time I found out. So um, you know there's a lot to be said in knowledge do consult health professionals over this one. Don't try and treat yourself. But there are these precautions that you can take, and that is empowering, is to what you eat and how you eat it, when you eat it, and who you buy it from and how you store it. So we're going to come back in a minute on Navigating the Cancer Maze and complete today's um, sessions about food and about hidden sources of illness uh, caused by uh, bacteria, parasites, and the like, don't go away. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Holvung Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.holvung-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G dash clinic dot com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options in implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Goller Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back to our last session today on Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Gawler. Now, we're talking about um, these microbes uh, that are in the environment, and I want to specifically talk about on holiday. So if you're going to go on a holiday overseas or even a holiday to a, a state in your own country that's in another location, it's a place where you haven't been before, learn about the location that you're traveling to and especially the health issues that pertain to that area. Uh, you can check out uh, the vaccinations for that area. If you're going to areas in Asia, for instance, remember polio, a waterborne um, virus, is still to be found in many of the Asian countries. 
So you can ask your travel agent for specific health information. Many um, government websites of countries have very good health information and even information about the local bacteria, the local uh, parasites and, you know, things that you can do to avoid getting yourself into trouble. And as well, you can just check out the internet yourself. Um, There's some excellent websites which will give you some ideas about the sorts of protective things that you can do when traveling in these countries so one is not saying stay home and don't do anything and don't go anywhere Um, just travel with knowledge because knowledge is a really great power for example if you're going to an area where there's a high hookworm population these little guys have got sticky and their larvae their little eggs actually stick to the uh, soles of your feet so always wear shoes pack some rubber sandals, and uh, even wear those in the shower. It's just something that you learn to do. I've travelled a lot, and I've always followed these precautions. I've never been ill while being in a foreign country, but I did get dengue fever in my own country when bitten by a mosquito, um, would you believe, at a medical conference. So uh, there you have it. And uh, that dengue fever was really uh, just dreadful. I'd never want to visit that again. Um, I wasn't wearing any preventative for mosquitoes I hadn't realized that that was an area where there was dengue fever so um, you can take the precautions so avoid mosquitoes biting insects ticks etc weigh up the risks use an insect deterrent the safest one that you can find but for god's sake use something that actually works and then you can avoid getting things like malaria, dengue fever, etc. Um, wearing socks and avoiding ticks, looking for ticks when you've come back from somewhere and knowing how to remove that tick safely or going to a medical practitioner if you can't remove it yourself. Because if the little head of the tick stays in and the little body gets flicked off, um, it's still pumping away that toxin into you and it is quite inflammatory and some people react to this in a highly inflammatory way <coughs> excuse me it can also look like um, you have a lymphoma it can really swell up the lymph system and um, you can become very ill indeed from ticks so another tip always before eating take your antibacterial hand wipes always carry them with you Uh, I carry them with me here and if I travel even within Australia these days it's an essential item it's not paranoia it's just a part of health care it's a part of being aware and it's a part of your self-care water always drink bottled water and always ensure that the seals are intact and preferably that they have that little plastic bit that's wrapped around over the top that you can tell has been sealed on by a machine. I remember many years ago in the 70s I was in uh, Cairo and uh, I looked down at the hotel and there were people bottling water outside and uh, just putting a little snap lid on it and uh, they were giving them to uh, to people at the hotel which of course was not ideal at all and uh, I think drinking uh, bottled water Evian, you know, uh, brands that you know of but always look for that seal that's intact and while you're away be sure that the foods you consume are well cooked especially seafoods and meats uh, you don't want to be eating them rare um, even medium rare those, those um, are very good for you nutritionally, but they should be well cooked and especially especially in an environment where there may not be um, public health inspectors who are looking for things like uh, parasites. You know, the district veterinary officer, it's often part of his job to check these things. I also think that uh, particularly if you have um, cancer now I've recently had it or recovering from chemotherapy um, it's good to avoid the raw fish the sashimi um, style of Japanese uh, uh, culinary uh, you know having your your food in this beautiful thin beautifully prepared state uh, but raw I think the fish um, you know it could be okay but it also might not be and I, I think it's a risk um, that you know I wouldn't take it's a risk I don't take um, salads so especially traveling um, Asia, India, even in the, in the Pacific areas, um, avoiding salads because they've likely been washed in uh, water that hasn't been good water and also that they may have been contaminated by one of those little snails. 
um, that sort of crawls around through those areas and is a host for some of the parasites. I don't do raw vegetable juices either while I'm away. I think it's safe to do things like mango juice and um, pawpaw, uh, papaya, um, guava, things like that where they can be peeled and uh, actually put in a blender. I always like to watch where my food's been prepared. So that brings me to the next um, little tip, ordering a la carte. I think when you're away overseas in one of these countries, very tempting to see the smorgasbord. It might look fantastic, loaded with seafoods. And um, it could be cheap. It could even be a part of your tour package. But remember that the freshness on a smorgasbord cannot always be guaranteed. And often those foods, even if they're sitting on ice, and remember ice may be contaminated, that those foods actually may be deteriorating in the atmosphere because often in those kind of countries that we're talking about, there is a high humidity and uh, not refrigerating food can lead to big problems. Where there's been um, cyclones, typhoons, hurricanes, natural disasters where power has gone out for a while, always, always be very careful about eating foods that have been previously uh, frozen. Those foods may have thawed and been refrozen and may contain significant amounts of some of the bacteria that can really do you a lot of harm. Um, choose clean restaurants when you're traveling. You know, I think street foods, yes, they're fun and uh, some of them are really tasty, but uh, I think probably best avoided if you're the cancer patient or if you've recently had treatment. Um, you can try these things, of course, if you're basically healthy, but then when you get home, always get checked. Um, peeling fruits we've talked about. Um, again, even when you're away, be aware of the fast foods, the reheated foods or things that have sat in the cabinet for a long time. So uh, even if you've been away and you've come home and you've just had traveller's diarrhoea, it's really worth um, having yourself checked out. So always take yourself to a doctor or a pharmacist or a health provider. If you've come back and you've been away and you've been in a country where um, there are these kinds of diseases and parasites, just get yourself checked out because it may help you down the line to um, avoid a much, much bigger problem. So always take, when you travel, a well-prepared first aid traveller kit. And I will be uploading onto my uh, blog site, grayscholarmedia.com, a suggestion of a list of things that you can put in that um, particular first aid kit. I'll also be listing some of the things we've talked about during today. And um, then you'll have a better idea of how you can be empowered with this one in navigating the cancer maze. Um, When you get back home, if you're still not well to seek medical attention, get a blood test um, and a stool test and get one that goes over three days because often the, um, the little eggs are passed out on day two or day three and might miss day one. So the best of these anti um, or these uh, results that you can get are when the, um, the uh, parasites have been looked at through this three-day period. You do a home collection usually and you drop it into a laboratory. Make sure if you've had diarrhea that you've taken electrolytes. Take antibiotics if necessary. Important to keep a record of the event and any medical notes that have been associated with it. So if you've been sick and you've had a doctor call to you, make sure that you keep those notes. And then as soon as you're back, you visit your doctor or consult your pharmacist. Um, You can get viral levels checked in blood and that's worth doing. If you do show up with a virus level and you are a cancer patient um, or you might be wanting to prevent a further problem, I suggest you contact RGCC Gen Lab in Greece for information about what you can do um, with viruses and um, how to reduce their numbers. And this can really assist um, in your recovery uh, if you've had cancer or if you've just had one of these traveller diarrhea viral type of illnesses. So uh, we're coming to the end now of navigating the cancer maze again. Uh, remember, like Professor Zerhausen said, it can take 15 to 40 years for a cancer to manifest associated with one of these problems. And uh, I reckon the old saying stands, an ounce of prevention 
is worth a pound of cure. Travel and travel well, travel smartly and travel with awareness. We'll talk again next week on Navigating the Cancer Maze. Have a great weekend. Bye for now. Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 